Hey everybody, we are back with a new episode of Working It Out. Is this the most excited I've ever been for an episode of Working It Out? I think it's possible. I think this is a, this is a big one. Uh, uh, Bill Hader is a, a is a giant in comedy. Someone I admire so much. Um, uh, quick announcement before we get started. I'm just adding uh, shows all summer. So I'm in uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, in Westport, Connecticut, at the Westport Country Playhouse, in East Hampton, and Montauk, and Cape Cod, and uh, like all these places. It's all on Burbigs.com. The best way to be in touch is to sign up for my email list on Burbigs.com. I've been I've been sending those emails for about 20 years. I mean, that's that's how it started, is me just in the back of comedy clubs saying, hey, would you like to sign up for my email list? And then uh, here we are. <laughs> but uh, but today on the show, we have, uh, we have Bill Hader. You, uh, Bill became first well-known as a cast member for Saturday Night Live. Um, he co-created the, the character Stefan, with the great John Mulaney. Uh, he uh, created the series, co-created the series Documentary Now. Uh, he's been in the movies Hot Rod and Superbad and Tropic Thunder, and uh, he and I were both in the movie Trainwreck together. He was in all these Pixar films, Inside Out, Finding Dory. I mean, just on and on. He's written for South Park. He created his own series, uh, co-created his own series on HBO called Barry. Uh, which is really incredible. This very dark comedy series called Barry uh, that he's won two Emmy Awards, Best Actor. And uh, the reason why it launches into uh, such a good sort of craft conversation today is that not only is he the lead actor on the show, he, he's a writer on the show, he's a producer on the show, and he's a director of many of the episodes. So we really get into it. In some ways, we get into it more uh, than than any episode we've ever done. Uh, so I hope you enjoy my conversation with the great Bill Hader. We start shooting third season of Barry in two months. Oh my gosh, wow. Which just like hit me. Wow. I'm fully... Uh, I had watched the first season, and then now I just watched the second season, and it 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 wallops you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine filming it. It wallops you as a viewer. Yeah. yeah, I know. People are never like, oh, that was fun. They're like, what is, <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> it's like, I thought this was going to be funny. And it's like, yeah. oh, I think it's funny. And it's like, this is... What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. I had a friend watch it and they said, why'd you do that to Henry Winkler that last episode? Why'd <laughs> oh you do that? He's like a national treasure. And you're why just, did you do it to Henry Winkler? Not well, I don't know if you have this in stand-up or somebody or, or in your shows where you'll go to like kind of very like, you know, emotional place, place or dramatic sure, yeah. place or something that's just very genuine or it's you kind of dealing with something and you can kind of, you, I don't know. I never question it. I just go, oh, this is where it should go. <laughs> right. And then it's always other people who go, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> right. The critique why is, you, what the hell was that? Why do you have that gear? 
You shouldn't have that no, gear. I, <laughs> Why no, would you lean into that, that gear? <laughs> no, no, I had that in, in such a huge way with the new one where people were like, "Why would you say that about how not wanting to have a child?" Yeah, and I'm like, because that's it's what I felt, gift. and now now I don't feel that way. Yeah, and that's that's what we're trying to do, right? Yeah, it's uh, that honesty is really uh, terrifying, but when you lead in, when people meet you you know, from being really funny, their first yes. impression of you yes. is that, you know, and then that you have to kind of take them along for any sort of changes. And I, I realize like, oh, you got to kind of do it uh, in a subtle way as you're figuring it out. You know, I think the, mm -hmm. the age old perfect example of that was probably the Beatles, where it's like, love me, yes. do, and then it's a slow build to <laughs> the White Album and all that stuff. But, I, uh, you know, not comparing myself to the Beatles. I'm not doing that, but just that. No, no, I got thing. that loud and clear, Bill. No, come on, Mike. I, no, I, I, that, that's the pull quote I'm that we're going to use in Rolling Stone magazine. I'm, Bill Hader thinks he is the Beatles of comedy. I'm HBO's Beatles. <laughs> 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 no, but I, I totally get what you mean. And, and I think that that's like when I was watching Barry, I was like, yeah, this is the thing that Bill and I have in common is that we're both obsessed with comedy. Yeah. And we're both obsessed with cinema. Yeah. 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 And no, totally. drama. Yeah. And like, and, and real. And like, one of the things I was thinking when I, you know, when I was watching it is like, a, you and I also have this thing in common, which is we're both like, we're professionals, but we're students always, yeah. like students of learning. Yeah. Yeah. sponging, learning everything. And like you did that, like even after you'd been on SNL and you were a TV star, you like went to work on South Park just to learn. Yeah, story. yes, yes. I think we as we both, I think you did it with Pixar too. It was like a yeah, similar yeah, thing. I, yeah, I, you, I sort of like popped in there, yeah. Yeah, and, you go and into Pixar and go, how do you guys do the, how do you guys make these stories work so well? And you realize it's like, oh, we're just never satisfied and we have five years to figure it out, you know? <laughs> and you're like, I can oh, wow. I can weirdly feel, I, you, it's like you went to work on South Park because you were a fan of it and you were yeah. like, I'd like to learn story and structure and, and sort of how they construct this sort of watch uh, together. And then like, but I can see it in Barry. Like, I yeah. feel like I can see, do you feel like you learn things from Matt and Trey that you use when you make Barry? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean the, I mean the thing I always learned from them when I first came in is I thought, you know, we we kind of had the first couple weeks is just like anything. You're pitching a bunch of stuff and it's all funny and loose yeah. and it's that uh, feeling you have in the lunchroom with your friends, which I always say is the funniest I've ever been in my life, which is yeah. you just relaxed. There's nothing riding on it. You're not being paid. You're super yeah. comfortable. You don't care what anybody thinks of you. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. you're just loose and being funny. And so it's, it's getting into that place with everybody. It's a very small group. And then I watched, it was like, we got a lot of material and then I watched Trey and Matt put it together and realizing how much uh, emotion plays into it, how much yeah, it is following sure. the emotion. Because I would come in initially and go, oh, you know what would be an interesting thing is if this happened, this happened, and this happened. And it was all, um, what I realized, I was like, uh, it was all plot. You know, yeah. it was all plotty stuff. 
And that was when Trey taught me the thing, which I, I mean, a lot of people have heard is, it's not this happened and this happened, this happened, is this happened, so therefore this happens. Yes, so that's right. So therefore this happens. Oh my gosh, yes. So then this happens. And once he said that, you realize how many good stories and also the really great stand-ups like mm-hmm. you and oh, Mulaney and you know people I love watching have that inherent thing, which is why does this work? And you realize like, oh, it's all kind of causal. It yeah, kind of moves Caus- forward. Causality is always yeah. the thing that my director and I are honing in like the final year of the process. Is, yeah. It's is exactly what you're saying, which is the way we phrase it is so then instead of and then. Yeah. If you're doing like if you're doing and then, it's like that's fun. Yeah. That's funny, but it's not gonna make the whole thing move and yeah. propel. And like when I watch Barry, it's like, and so then this, and so then this, so then this, so yeah. then this. And then you're like, yeah. and then next thing you know, you're like in that credit sequence and it's like <laughs> chirping crickets or whatever your Foley work is at the end. Well, that's like, I kind of learn, you know, to answer your question, I would go, you know, well, here's all my ideas for the season. And I would start the first day of writing off of me going, here's kind of my, what I think for the next, what season two could be. And I think I had something completely different of the way season two ended. And the writers went, and I'm sorry to say this is embarrassing, it dealt with a viral video. And the writers went, Bill, that sucks. <laughs> We're not doing a viral video, man. That's so lame. How old are you, man? And I was like, no, oh no, gosh. no, it'll be good. And they're like, no, you can't do a viral video. And I was like, okay, okay. And then, and then you start erasing that. You erase this. You erase that. Because and then, they felt like it was a trope. Like they, they felt it was like a trope, it was a trope, and it wasn't trope. emotional. It was again. It was plotty. It's getting all your bad. It's a thing. I is like be wrong fast. You're gonna be wrong. Yeah. So be wrong yeah. as fast as you can. So I just go. This is this is me being wrong, and I'm gonna pitch it like yes. I love it. Yes. Because this is where I'm at today. So yes. it's like ba da da, and then Barry. He has a viral video goes out yeah. and people are like, oh no. And everybody goes, what? <laughs> a viral video? That's not what it was. It wasn't his viral video, but, uh, but, but it, and they go, that's terrible. Um, we're not doing that. And then it forces me then to go, well, what am I avoiding? And then you, you realize, oh, I'm avoiding certain things like you do in your personal life. I'm avoiding it yes. with the story. And what I was avoiding was getting into why that Barry likes uh there's a part of him that and that feels a sense of accomplishment by killing people yeah that was the the thing that yeah. that he that his, his worth was murdering people because he was good right. at it so that's where we came right. up you with have the, that pow- you have that powerful image of the his sort of army military buddies yeah. sort of like cheering him on and he exactly has that, you actually you have like that really tight shot of your face like smiling in a way yeah that you're like proud that you you achieved something yeah here i'm your eye director that episode and he gave me a great piece of direction he was like instead of murdering someone think of this as you're the new kid at school it's like you're the new kid at school and you were you're playing uh you know street fighter at the arcade yeah. afterward and all the kids are like, he just beat the highest score. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. just so stoked for you because that it's a, it's acceptance. And I go, exactly. Um, but that's what I mean. That's the process that you have to go to to get to that place. It's not like we come in and, as you know, I think Conan said something great on your podcast where you're, people are always, and I do this, you're always comparing yourself to people who are fully formed. Of course, yeah. 
And I was like, oh God, I did that my whole 20s and 30s and last year pretty much. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I mean, like yesterday. For me, for me this week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yesterday where you're going, why can't, you know, I can't figure this out. And then, but I always wish someone said was that, was what Conan said, but also that, uh, uh, that yeah, you, you it, it, it's very difficult and it, it's a long process of being wrong and being wrong. And, and that's why I learned yes. in the South Park room and in the Pixar room is you're, you're wrong a lot. And then suddenly uh, something clicks and you're like, oh, wow, you know, that's the scene I'm avoiding is that scene where all those guys are like, good job, because that's kind of a dark, weird thing to think of. It's so much easier and fun to come up with a fun goofball thing. You know. What's funny because I asked Yorma, our mutual friend, like what what's most remarkable because you've been in movie, you've worked with him on SNL and in in movies and you know Hot Rod and Pop Star and a bunch of stuff with him. And I was like, what's the most remarkable thing about working with Bill? And he goes, he goes, it's he, Bill is endlessly interested in comedy and loves comedy yeah. and loves the exploration of comedy and loves other people's comedy yeah in this way that That's like sweet. he he he's yeah it's sweet and it's like in a way that like he's like other people get jaded but bill's not jaded like he doesn't get jaded about comedy oh that's sweet to say yeah i get very excited when someone does something uh new or interesting or you know you just get you just want to share it with everybody, you know, or I'm still someone, I'm like a dad. I still, I read the onion every morning and I'm constantly like <laughs> sending headlines, like onion headlines to people going like, Oh my gosh, how funny is this? And it's like, yeah, yeah. I know. And so like some of the Barry writers, I am just fully a dad, like, all right, we get it. Or, you know, but then there's shows like I may destroy you. I remember watching that going, wow, God, this is phenomenal. This is so funny and honest and then gets really honest towards the end where it's like really like I'm just, it's just, it's something that George Saunders talks about in that book and other people like Tobias Wolf, who I love and uh, Alice Monroe and these writers is they, it's like you don't try to solve a problem with your work. You try to present the problem. Mm, I love that. And 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 I go, oh, that's that that's what I'm responding to in this stuff that I like so much is that it's a pre presentation of the problem because we're not going to solve it. And I'm realizing, oh, the stuff that kind of leaves me cold are things that are a little didactic or uh, absolute or something, you know? I agree. I'm the same. I, my tastes are very similar. And like, that's what I find off-putting often about like social media, and you're not yeah. like, on so you're no. not on social media, which I respect and uh, admire <laughs> that you're able to do that. Uh, that's a nice, that's a luxury. Uh, but people, there's a lot of people with a lot of answers on social media, yeah. and you're like, um, actually, some of these are very complex. Questions. No, yeah, and and I've also been of the age multiple times in my life where I had all the answers. Yeah, sure. I've been, you know, 
I'm going to sound like an old man, but, but, you know, social media in the late 90s was Denny's at two in the morning. (laughs) In Oklahoma? In Oklahoma. And you're like, why doesn't the world just do this? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, and I'm this kind of person. Yeah. And this is who I am. And I'm always going to be this kind of person. And then you go, uh, no, you're not. You're going to change dramatically in ways uh, every couple of years you change. And I look back at those times and I, I mean, it's a thing that I'm 42 and I think, you know, people, my, my generation are always going like, oh man, if I had social media when I was like a teenager, <laughs> I'd be fucked, you know? Cause oh you just God, had no. so many. Forget about it. So the many dumb I ideas. when I was a teenager were so wrong. Oh yeah, 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 and you you were off base, and you yeah things you found funny uh, now I I cringe at and of course and you and uh, some of, you know some of the comedy and some of the stuff that you know even my kids for the first time were watching some of the old SNLs I you know we did and I even go oh I wouldn't do that now that's oh my terrible. God, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's terrifying, you know? So I'm glad I'm not on social media because I would, one, it, it I would become addicted to it. Uh, because, yes. and so it's never Which, like uh, a, why are you doing that? It's more of a like, oh, I can't go there because I will fully become addicted to it. But, uh, but then, yeah, the other thing is that I'm wrong a lot. I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> Same. about. I'm wrong every day. <laughs> I don't understand. I will think one thing one day, and then someone will say something and go, oh, yeah, you're right. Yes. Oh, I have already have it in stone on social media that I feel this way. So I would be constantly going, hey, what I said yesterday, I don't believe anymore. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm figuring I'm, it out every no, day. No, of course. Malcolm Gladwell has this line that he said recently in an interview that I thought was so smart, which is like, if I wasn't changing now from what I was writing 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I would consider myself a failure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because I'm always trying to evolve and change. And so like to criticize something I wrote 20, 30 years ago, it's like, oh, of course I'd criticize it. So yeah, you can't go back to, you have to go forward and- yeah. And, ba- and Barry for me was a part of that. You know, when I went to HBO, it was like, oh, I want to do something that's a little bit more dramatic and, and yeah. has comedy to it. But there's a story of like, um, you know, just certain things I relate to and Alec Berg relates to. I mean, we don't, we've never murdered anybody, but but the idea of um, wanting to belong, a community and sure. feeling, um, you know, loneliness, anxiety, all these things, you know. Yeah, I feel for the character, the, I think it's the Chechenian uh, assassin who wants to be your friend so much. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, Meyerbeck, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you really like feel for him that he's rejected by you in this way that's so, that feels like middle school. Yeah. Except they're assassins. Yeah, in another world, they would have been friends, but Barry's just at a different place in his life than that guy is. And yeah. And I've felt that way before. I never thought I would, that's a perfect example. I never thought I would be that guy. If you would have told me when I was 30, if I saw someone else uh, coming up or something, I would always be welcoming and nice. But then I'm like, I now know if you caught me on a wrong day, I'd be like, oh, okay. I wouldn't be mean, yeah. but I'd be like, oh yeah, that was good. 
and then I would just move right. on because I now have all these new pressures in my life and then I realize it and then I feel guilty about it. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and go, oh, why didn't I call that person? Oh, I'm not on social media. I can't contact yeah. them now and say they're really good. Oh, maybe I should have said something, you know, and then you feel guilty. So it's a smaller, and that's what's nice about these shows and this and other thing is like taking these little moments that you feel and then exaggerating them and putting a ton of stakes behind it. But, yeah. the, but the emotion is genuine. It's a thing, you know, that Maribet character is like me meeting a new person on SNL and going like, oh, that sure. was good. And it's, and then me exaggerating it going like, well, what if I was mean to him? What if I yelled at yeah. that guy? What if I did this? God, how would I feel? And then, you know, yeah. take it to its other thing. What would I feel in that moment when someone's, you know, giving me respect, but it's for respect for something I don't, I don't respect myself for, you know? Stepping away from my conversation with Bill Hader to send a shout out to Me Undies underwear. So I uh, I found Me Undies. I was a I okay pre working it out pre podcast. I I wore exclusively Me Undies. I found them from a podcast like this. So when I ended up uh, creating a podcast, I thought, well, I'll call them and ask them if they'll be a sponsor for this podcast. Here's why I like them so much. They're designed to be the softest thing you've ever worn. Uh, they're energized by creativity and made for self-expression. Available in sizes extra small through 4XL, MeUndies has countless styles and prints to choose from. MeUndies has a great offer for working it out listeners for any first-time purchasers. You get 15% off and free shipping. They also have a problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with a product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it, no caveats, no questions, holy cow. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to meundies.com slash burbigs. That's meundies.com slash burbigs. And now, back to the show. You and I are, we're born, I believe, 13 days apart. You're June 7th, 78. Mm -hmm. I'm June 20th, 78. Oh, wow. <laughs> So this is going to come out, I think, on your birthday, which so happy birthday. Oh, thanks, man. Sweet. And, uh, so we're both going to be, well, we're going to be 43. How do you feel about being 43 in relation to, like, you know, where you've come and where you're going? Because that my new show, Old Man in the Pool, that I'm writing now for, to come out in blah, 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 two, three years from now, um, is all about middle age and, yeah. and, and getting on top, you know, over the hill and you're on top of the hill and you look around and go, oh, there's natural causes. Like they're not close, but they're coming. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I have this joke where I go like, you know, uh, you know, it's exactly halfway through my life. Not technically, not everyone dies at 86, <laughs> but no one's ever like 80 through 100. Those are the years. Yeah, no one ever says he, they hit their stride at 96. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh no, it's gonna be, yeah, but uh, yeah, I know. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about your age in relation to like your career and your life and what you wanna do? Well, it, it, I, I think I always just put it in terms of perspective of like, well, when I hit 50, I'll go, God, can you believe when I was 43, you know? <laughs> and I was, on yeah. with, I was on with Mike back in those days <laughs> when I had like most of my hair still and, <laughs> And God, 43 was beautiful, you know? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. I'll be 
60 and go, God, 50 was just amazing. Yeah. You know, it's always that way. It's it's like when I was at SNL, I was a nervous wreck the whole time. And now it's all we talk about. Anytime I talk yes. to anybody associated yes. with it, it's like, remember when we did the, you know? Oh my gosh. And And so... And of course, I'm so jealous of you even having that experience at all. Like, I feel like when I watch you guys at SNL, I'm like, oh man, I wish I had a group of friends, just a single <laughs> group of friends I could do bits with all day. Oh no, it's it, it's it's kind of that way. I always think it more in terms of like the SNL 40th. I saw Gilbert Godfrey and I never met him before, and we looked at each other, and I kind of nodded like, hi, <laughs> you know, kind of, and he went, I know, it's like we have the same disease. Oh my god. <laughs> It's like we have the same disease. I was like, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, it is like we have the same disease. It's like, ugh. but, uh, but yeah, it's weird, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and you start having like parts, you know, your body stops working the way it usually does. I have a very weird yeah. thing with uh, my left eye. I have like a weird autoimmune issue where I've lost vision oh in my left eye, and I have to get treatments for it and all this stuff and oh then gosh. it's like you go oh i have a chronic condition you know and you're like i'm at that age now yeah. where it's like i'm on humera i'm on all this stuff and you're like <laughs> i'm yes. on i was talking to larry dave and he goes so you're on one of those does you're one of those drugs that has all the side effects <laughs> I go, yes, Larry, I'm on one of the drugs that they go, could cause. He goes, you're on one of those. <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. Yeah, they, my doctor always tries to get me to go on a statin, and I just don't want to do it. And it's always yeah. that thing where it's like, you know, if to explain to people who don't know what statins are, it's like the kind of catch-all middle age, yeah. you know, thing where you see commercials and they're like, you know, it's called rats of flats of scats of fats. Uh, ask for it by name. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to remember the name. <laughs> Rack slap of them. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's, yeah, I've had the same thing where it's like, well, if you take this, it'll take out, you know, inflammation in your blood vessels. And that's the issue you're having. The blood vessels in your retina become inflamed. And you're like, cool, yeah. cool. But it's weird to have like, and I told my dad, I was like, yeah, I got this eye thing. This is like 10 years ago, but it's been, it came back during the pandemic. So I'm like, this oh is stress gosh. related, right? And they're like, "Yeah, we don't have data on that. And I'm like, I'm going right. to say it's stress related. And they're like, <laughs> well, the data doesn't show that. And I'm like, well, the data is wrong. I know I'm not a doctor. Yeah, yeah. It's stress related. And I told my dad, I was like, yeah, it came back. And he's like, yeah, man, you're just at that age, man. Oh my, my dad's gosh. Jeff Bridges. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you're just not at that age, man. Oh my no, god. He no, he was, but he was, <laughs> he was like, uh, he's like, yes, yeah, just stuff. Matt Stone told me that. I remember he was stretching a lot in the South Park room, and I would always give him yeah. shit for stretching. He's like, you wait, dude. Oh my god, you no. wait. Just wait. He goes, how old are you? And at the time, I'm like, I'm like 36. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! You hit forty-one. No. Watch what happens, dude. Oh no! And he was right. Now I'm like, oh my He's god! He's so right. Oh god! Yeah. Notice I wake up. I'm like knees, not working. Oh no! Hip. I never thought about my hip before in my life. And everybody listening who's young, just wait, just wait. Yeah, yeah. You know. And then I have like younger writers at Barry or younger 
people who work on the show and stuff, and I'll be like the same thing. I'm like, yeah, they kind of want me to go into statin, and they're like, why? That's dumb. Why can't? <laughs> and then they're like, why can't you just eat this ice cream, drink this beer, and smoke this cigarette with us? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, right. Uh, that seems fun. I will. That seems like an awesome time. If I do that, I will be in bed for two weeks. And now I'm at that. And now, now it's just like you're just old, but it's just gonna get worse. Uh, and that's how that goes. Um, <laughs> you had a th- well, you had anxiety attacks when you were at SNL, and I thought a heartwarming thing that I read was uh, that when you had a panic attack, like in a sketch, that that like Lorne was like said to you, I don't know, you know how true this is, but said to you like, you know, you can stay here at the show as long as you want. Oh yeah. Which I thought was really heartwarming. Yeah, that was after my fourth season. It was a Seth Rogen show, and I was really uh, anxious, as usual. And his way of kind of telling me to calm down was like, you've got the job. Like, relax. And then I didn't really relax. And then I, and then uh, I tried all these other things to relax. And then. As Mulaney likes to say, my eye exploded. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> he goes, then so your funny. eye exploded, and I was like, oh my right, god, no. probably from stress. And then uh, I started doing like TM, which helps. And yes, I started exercising, I yep. yep, and eating better, and you just start to do all that stuff. That's what You're I mean, in- though. If I was on social media in my twenties, I'd be like, for all these idiots doing <laughs> meditation. And eating yeah. right, you know, I would totally, I, I, I say that constantly, I would make fun of myself. The 20-year-old me would hate the 42-year-old me. I watch yes. baseball and I listen to jazz. Yes. And I have, and then my meals are planned. <laughs> like That's I, I, so funny. What day, what times I eat during the day. I'm so lame, Mike. I wrote this joke <laughs> recently so about, I wrote this joke recently about aging, which is a, I think if you enjoy, I'm at this age where I'm like, I think if you enjoy 20 minutes of your day, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I think if you enjoy enjoy 30 minutes, you're basically a Buddha. <laughs> when you cast a movie or TV show, you realize how many more great actors there are than great scripts. A hundred percent. And that's why I learned to write because I... Yeah. Judd Apatow, first thing he said to me, first meeting he had with me, my first season of SNL was like, you need to learn how to write. And I wrote, I would say, seven really terrible scripts. No kidding. I was just writing all the time and they were awful. And that's what prompted me to go, well, maybe I should go hang out here. What am I not getting? Wow. And they were all plot. I just realized it was all, and this happens and this happens and here's this joke and this bit. And I'm not good at writing jokes. I'm not good at like what, like when I was at SNL, that's why, you know, certain people like Kristen or Fred or, or people like that could write on their own. And yeah. I needed, yeah, to bounce I, stuff. I needed Mulaney, I needed Simon Rich or, you yeah. know, America Sawyer. America, or, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I needed people to me go, you know, maybe something in this world or yeah. is this. But that joke rhythm, that thing that when we were on Trainwreck, you yeah. and Schumer have that in spade. And I would be watching it going like, oh God, they just have that rhythm 
where they know how to flip the sentences and it lands on a punchline, you know what I mean? And I just find that so fascinating. So I'm always trying to, and that's why I read The Onion every morning. Yeah. Because it's like trying to like, I, I, I appreciate that so much where it takes you on a place where you think you're going here and then the last word. And certain people just have that inbred in them and I didn't. So I was writing sketches. I, I was writing scripts, I will say, that were not funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> they were like situational. Um, the You and I worked with this kid in Trainwreck named Evan Brinkman. Mm-hmm. He played my son, me and Brie mm-hmm. Larson's son. <laughs> and I don't know if you'd remember this, but we were doing like a crane shot on mm-hmm. the water. And I'm not even, I don't think it's in the final. It's not in the final movie. movie. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> which is of course every movie or TV yeah. show is you do this totally elaborate crane shot and it's right at magic hour yeah. and all this stuff. It's not in the movie. I remember this. So we're walking along. It's me and you and Schumer and Evan. Brinkman, who plays our son, and Brie Larson, and 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 you said you go, uh, you go in twenty years from now. You know, we're gonna look back on this and be like, remember that day we were walking along the water, and you know, it was a magic hour, and you know, look where these people have gone and what they've done in their careers and all this stuff. And then Evan goes, Evan, who was like eight years yeah. old or ten years old, goes like. <laughs> Do you remember what he said? No. He goes like, uh, yeah, and they're going to go, there's Evan. Who are those other guys? <laughs> and you were so generous. You laughed so hard, and then you go, this is the funniest person here. Evan is the funniest person here. Uh, Look, there's Evan Brickman. Who are those other guys? There's Evan Brickman. Who are those other guys? Oh, I yeah. love that. Oh, and then the other yeah. thing from that era is you came out. I remember you because you were in New York at the time and you came over to the house and it's a it's an inside joke to this very day. You came over to our apartment and you did an impression of me for Jen and mm-hmm. then Jen impersonates you doing me to this very day and literally it's just, but it was my car. <laughs> that was the impression. That's the impression. I think it's the nothing other one, I've ever said. I think the other one that I would do of you is, and... That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I know that was the other one that I don't know if you've ever said, but it was like a beer. Oh it's like, and, and that's okay. Oh my God. Do you remember? I just remember we had to do a scene where in Trainwreck where it's a slow zoom in and you're telling me a story and I just have to listen to it. Do you remember yeah. that? And you would improvise yeah. something every time. And it was so hard because I was trying so hard not to laugh. Oh my God. You're killing me every time you did it. And I think we did it like, because Judd had us do it like 20 times. And I was yeah. like, I just remember oh having to gosh. stare at your chin and then stare at your shoulder. Because Judd was like, you're smiling. And he would come over and he's like, hey, man, you're smiling. I could see you smiling. <laughs> he's like, no, I could see it in your eyes. You're smiling. You can't be smiling. Oh my God. And oh my I was God, like, so okay, funny. all right. And then I would go back. And I remember you and I being really impressed with Brie Larson because we were like- She's phenomenal. Yeah, she's like she an went. actress. And I remember yeah. I co- there's a scene where I come in and I'm like the new boyfriend and we I meet you guys. And then after we, and I go, did you see what she just did? She did this thing where <laughs> she kind of acknowledged, like she kind of sized me up and you were like, yeah, yeah I caught that. That was good. <laughs> 
<laughs> like we were like, that's acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's acting. Oh my gosh. And then, you know, three years later, she wins an Oscar. Yeah, uh, we're like, and, oh, and that's five what years she's later, doing. you win an Emmy. And I'm doing a podcast. Oh, Mike. Oh, it's come not on. that big of a deal. Uh, no, but I mean, it, it was very funny. I just remember laughing. I just remember laughing oh my a gosh, lot. Yeah. I just remember laughing a lot doing that thing. But that's the that thing. That was a joy. Well, that's the thing. You try to like go. I will, Can I just tell you real quick the hardest you ever made me laugh? Because everybody thinks, and I don't know if you might want to cut this if you don't like this story. But you did something, one of the hardest things I've ever laughed at in my life. Because you're so nice and you're so gentle and vulnerable and all this. And you wouldn't think that you could be a full-on killer <laughs> to somebody. And I don't know if you remember this is... <laughs> You and I were at an event and Pete Holmes was uh, late to the event. Yes. And he, do you remember this? Sort of. <laughs> and he showed up and and he said, sorry, everybody, I was late. Sorry, everyone, I was late. Uh, my flight was canceled. And you said, while drinking and turning away, what, did TBS cancel your flight? Because oh his show gosh. was just canceled by TBS. Canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and oh I fell gosh. out of my head. And Aziz was like, everybody thinks Mike is so nice, but man, he can be a killer if he wants. And I was like, oh my that gosh. is one of the funniest, quickest things I had ever seen. And and Pete, for the record, everybody died laughing, including Pete. He wasn't. It was just like, oh a yeah, no, great Pete and burn. I are close friends. It I was never one of the burned. great. It was a great burn in a way that was so fast. That I just was like, whoa! It was just that thing where you're like, <laughs> you have that gear too. You can do that. Uh, wow, Mike! Holy shit! That was so funny. Oh my god! I just go, yeah, that was good. It's only, and I'm sure you experienced this too with SNL and all the all the writers' rooms that you've worked in. But it's like, it's only the people you love that you can burn like. That. Oh, absolutely! But it's my favorite thing is when people burn people like that. It's my, I laugh. I laugh harder at Charles Barkley on Inside the NBA than like almost anything because all he does <laughs> is burn people yeah. <laughs> super hard. Yeah. And it makes me laugh because there's probably a part of me that is so terrified of doing that that I'm going to hurt someone's feelings or something or I will burn somebody. And then the next day I have tons of guilt about it and go, oh God, maybe... Someone burned you, I think, at one of the roasts. They oh. go, you can impersonate anyone, and you can do any voice. Why'd you choose that one? <laughs> <laughs> and you do a good me, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, you, you did do a good, you, you texted do a good. me about Conan. When I had Conan on, I, I just go, uh, uh, if I were going to ask, uh, Conan, <laughs> if I was going to ask Conan, I, I'm like, I just wonder, like, if he, he's been in comedy for like, I don't know, 40, 40, 40 50 years. Like, what, why, 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 why is it, why does he do it? You know? Like, why, why, why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just like a thing I'm thinking about. That it's just me. Maybe just I'm mumbling. only thinking about it. But it's like, it's like oh. why does he do that? Why does he do the, That's why does he do so comedy? Weird. Why would he go to that? As Fred's impression of me is me walking up to him, asking him, uh, telling him I just got into a super well-known band. It's like, hey, I just, I just got into the Almond Brothers. 
He's like, hey, Bill. I, I just, don't know why that's so funny. He's like, hey, because it's true. Because I'll walk up yeah, to him yeah. and I go, hey, man, I just really started listening to Bob Marley. It's like really good. Oh and he'll be like, oh my gosh. And then he'll be like, hey, Bill, I just heard, he's like, hey, Fred, I just heard Bruce Springsteen for the first time. It's actually oh really gosh. good. And like, he's always, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, I have like a real, I said, you, I know that's accurate because you sound like my sister. Stepping away from my conversation with Bill Hader to send a shout out to Helix Mattresses. Helix Mattresses are the most comfortable mattresses you'll ever lie on. I've been sleeping on a Helix Mattress for the past year. It's been fantastic. Uh, Everyone who stays with me, my in-laws, they say uh, they came. They said, we're going to get a Helix Mattress. Uh, they use the order code. You can go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. You take a two-minute sleep quiz. It's no fun. Quizzes? It's a fun quiz. It's a fun sleeping quiz. And it matches you up with a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling down if you sleep hot. And even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size folks. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash burbigs. And now, back to the show. So we do this thing called the slow round, which is like, basically a lot of it's just like memories. Like, do you have a memory from childhood that you think about a lot, but it's not a story? But it just keeps coming up. And you're like, maybe that could be somewhere, but it's just it just is a thing. Um like a middle school or a grade school thing, like a, you know, getting in trouble or Yeah. I have a memory that I think about a lot, and it's probably because I have kids and I'm so protective. I have a memory of missing my bus stop. Oh, I yeah. was paying attention to something else. And that awful feeling of looking out my window and going, I don't recognize any of the the neighborhood. <laughs> wait, where are we? And I remember the bus got on the freeway. And I was oh, like, wait, oh, you God. took the wrong no, bus? No, no, I got on the right bus, but it went, it, my house was like the second stop. Oh. And then it kept going and it went to the other side of town in Tulsa. And I just remember going like, oh I'm gosh. on the wrong bus. And I had a stocking cap on and I didn't know how to like tell someone I didn't have the right bus. And so I pulled the stocking cap over my face. Oh my God. <laughs> and I just held over my face and I just sat there. And I was like, it was just one of those things where you had no idea what to do. So you just kind of wanted to like hide. And I wasn't like crying or scared. I just went, I don't know what to do. So I just had the stocking cap on my face. And then I remember my friend Tylon was like, Bill, what's wrong with you? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. And me being like, I missed my stop. And he's like, well, go up and tell the bus driver you missed your stop. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I always think about that because I feel like that that image comes up to my head a lot, that thing. And I think it's totally because I have children and I want them to be, I don't know, it's yes. connected to that somehow of having kids and wanting them to feel comfortable admitting like, hey, I'm I'm lost, I, I need help. You know what I mean? Where yeah, I kind of came yeah. up with a thing where you didn't do you didn't do that. It was just like, well, at some point he's gonna notice everyone's off the bus. 
And then I'm going to be like, my house is back at the second stop and, and we'll just deal with it then. But I don't want to yeah. bother him right now. But the freak out of it, my way of dealing with it was putting my stocking cap over my face. And it was just such a weird, uh, weird behavior, but very real. And I think that thing, I think the other reason I keep thinking about it is I'm like, oh, that's the stuff I want to write. That's the, yes. when I'm writing, that's when I'm trying to get to that. The specificity, the specificity of it. And, 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 and the uncomfortableness and the thing of like, I don't know if anybody's going to relate to this, but yes, that's what yes. I felt and experienced. And so each time I do something or I sit and write, I'm always, I'm like, oh, I want to get to that weird uh, thing that's it's complicated and you can't yeah. describe it. You can't put it. your finger on exactly what it even it means. means. Yeah. yeah, you don't even know what yeah. it means, but you go, well, I did that and... And I told my best friend that story and he fully got it. He, my friend Duffy, who writes on Barry, and he was like, yeah, no, I know that. Yeah, no, I know that feeling. Yeah, and you just yeah. like, want to hide or something. Yes, yeah. you yeah. don't want to deal with it. You don't, don't want to deal, deal with, with anything. You want to put just a, you just want to put a hat over your face <laughs> yeah. and be like, let's yeah. forget this yeah. ever happened. Let's forget this ever happened. And I, I'm like, as I get older, that stuff is really fascinating, interesting to me. And that's what, yeah. that's the, whatever, the North Star that you're writing towards is that getting to that place. And it's hard. It's hard to that, justify that what, when you're writing. That's what Bird by Bird, say, uh, Anne Lamott says is, is, is great, is if you survived childhood, yeah. you have enough to write about. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's everybody has one story, you know, the story of their life. And you just are, you watch certain people and they're just kind of re- repeating that over and over and over again, you know, uh, I'm reading uh, This Boy's Life right now by Tobias Wolf, which I read before. And it's just great, you know, just story, just things of behavior that kind of do move the story forward. But it's not like, it's not whatever the Robert McKee flipping polarities yes. or whatever that is. It's just, oh, this is how this manifested in this behavior with this young boy of feeling... He needed to control his environment, so he does whatever. I I want people, you should go read the book. I don't want to blow anything, but. um, When you go to Tulsa, first of all, I looked it up. Chuck Norris, Brad Pitt, (laughs) (laughs) Bill Hader, Flaming Lips. Hanson, Garth Brooks. Hanson, (laughs) Garth Brooks, saw it. Yeah. Toby Keith, I think. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, you got some hitters. Do you have an Christian Chenoweth. Hang? Do you ever hang? You ever see those people? Uh, I'm friendly with. Well, I'm. I have like it's one of those things. I have their numbers in my phone, <laughs> but <laughs> Do I don't you really. Think, but I don't think That's I ever. Absurd. I have like Wayne Cowan from Flaming Lips. Like, oh wow, I could text him if I want to, and we have texted a couple of times. I mean, the person that really helped, you know. Uh, you know, I'll see people like Kristen Chenoweth and you go, hey, you know, you're from yeah, Brooklyn. Oh sure. my God, wow, you know, you got out, yeah. Uh, but but uh, anytime I go back to Tulsa, I'm always kind of, uh, uh, I, I, I admire where I came from so much more than when I lived there. You know, when I lived there, it was like, oh, I want to get out, you know? And, yeah. and you see people there and, you know, I don't, you know, there's a good chance I don't agree politically with a lot of it, but they're very nice and polite yep. and uh, really pr- uh, proud of me, you know? Yeah, Which is sweet. really sweet. Every, people come up going, hey, congratulations, you know? Yeah. We're just so proud of you that you're from our city. And that, yeah. 
that means so much, you know? Um, and people who, in a very good way, don't give a shit. They just are kind of, you know, hey, man, I know That's your funny. sister, man. You know, how's she doing? <laughs> hey, your sister and I went to school together. How's she doing, bud? He just wants to find out how my Aww. sister, and I'm like, she's good. She's like teaching and blah, blah, blah. It's like, hey, that's good, man. Hey, man, what's going on? You know, and it's like there's bigger oh things in life than than uh, whatever, uh, making stuff. But uh, but Jeannie Tripperhorn was, is from Tulsa, and I was friends with her. For, so her best friend was my friend's mom, Levada Nichols. Yeah. I was friend with Sam Nichols, Levada Nichols. A wonderful photographer and art teacher. And I went over to their house on Thanksgiving in 1995. And Jeannie Triplehorn was there. And I was like, wow, first celebrity I'd ever seen in my life. Wow. And then the second celebrity was her boyfriend at the time, which was Ben Stiller. Oh my gosh. So I met Ben Stiller. That's wild. And I was a huge. That's, that's a crazy story. Ben Stiller show fan. So I go, oh my God, the Ben Stiller show. And I talked to him and I sat next to him, them. And, and this I, is when you were in high school? I was 17 in Tulsa. And so I tell him a story about, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. And, <sighs> no and I had a short film I made on video, a VHS in my car. And I ran out to my car and I brought no it in way. and I said, here's my short film. Oh my God. And he was very nice. And I remember I, I might still have it. He wrote down on a piece of paper. He recommended movies to me, and it was Real Life by Albert Brooks Aww. and The Tenant by Polanski. Which and uh, and I went, oh my god, I gotta find these. And and this is you know 1995, so it was you know you can't. It was hard to find any of these things. And then uh, oh my and gosh. then he took me and Sam to go see Casino, the Scorsese oh my gosh. film. Amazing. And so I was on cloud nine for two months going, I met Ben Stiller and he treated me like an equal. I made him laugh yeah. a couple of times. Oh my God. This is so insane. And then I got SNL 10 years later and got a phone call saying, Ben Stiller would like to have lunch with you. Oh my God. And I went at lunch <laughs> and the look on his face was like, how the hell did this happen? Oh my God. <laughs> he went, what happened? How did this happen? He's like, what happened? what happened? He goes, you're on Saturday Night Live? And I was like, and it was such a great, and I'd seen him one other time before that, when I was. And then, of just, course, he put you, know, you in Tropic Thunder. So then he was like, "I'm doing this thing, Tropic Thunder. You should come in and read for this part." And I'd love for you to come in and read for this part. And I ended up getting it. And then I we did Night Museum Two, and now. Oh my god! And then the sweetest thing, the the, the end of that story is, I was on SNL, and we did Stefan and uh, Zoolander on Update together. So I'm dressed oh. as Stefan. He's dressed as, as, as uh, Zoolander, and we we're waiting to go on. And he turned to me and he goes, "Do you remember when I met you when you were 17?" <laughs> and I go, "Yeah." And he goes, "Can you believe we're here right now?" Oh, and I go, "Yeah, that is really wild." He goes, "Can you believe this?" And he like gave me a hug, and he was like, "I'm so proud of you, man." Like it was, it was very oh. sweet. It was very, very, very sweet guy. He's a very generous person. Yeah, he was He's... very, very nice. Very. Uh, I thought that was really. Really he, sweet. He came back to SNL to play uh, Michael Cohen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was yeah. in one Michael. of those sketches. Yeah, yeah. So he he was there, and then I was backstage with him, and we had done Don't Think Twice, yeah. where it was a fake Saturday Night Live, yeah. and he was the on the fake Saturday yeah. whatever, and he just is like, "This is weird that we're here." Right? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> at the actual thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's like he's dude. not it's the same thing that Yorma said about you which is like you're not he's not jaded by like this is crazy that we do this job and it's comedy yeah I can't believe every time I go to SNL I can't believe you know like you know talking to Lauren Michaels I can't believe that I'm just like this is insane <laughs> just getting back to Tulsa um did you ever throw a punch or be punched when you were growing up? Yes. I was, I had my, my, my lower teeth, uh, my lower front teeth are fake because I got My gosh, punched. really? Yes. I got hit twice. Uh, I won't name names because I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they're all upstanding adults now with families. Uh, yeah. But one was in a pool. Um uh, over some stupid thing, like when you're 11 and it's like, no, you did, oh, I did, pow, got hit in the face. And oh. then the other one was because a guy wanted my um, uh, pumps, a British night oh, pumps. Reebok pumps. Reebok pumps, yeah. Reebok pumps. Yeah, yeah. And I had those and this dude wanted them and just totally blindsided me and took my shoes off and my friend Maurice Boykins was going, just stay down, dude, just stay down. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I just, just stay down. Just stay down. Like this guy was really oh scary gosh. and he was way older than us and just oh took no. my shoes. And I was like, that's fine. You can take my shoes. It's totally oh my fine. Gosh. And even then, I think I was a freshman in high school or something or eighth grade, freshman high school. But even then it was like, you dealt with it by joking. You were like, you, you can do yeah. the asked. You could have asked, yes. you know, I would have That's given them to you funny. very well. I am, I am not, and I remember funny. being like, I'm not angry <laughs> yes, lying on the ground. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not angry at all. I'm totally fine. And then the adrenaline hit in like an oh. hour later, we were like, oh my God, that was awful. But yeah, I got, I, yeah, my friend Eric always likes to point out that I would point at places at my high school and go, I got hit there. I got hit there. I mean, I was exaggerating, but I got, I got punched twice pretty pretty bad and so these i've had like a couple of surgeries on my lower front teeth because they were knocked out yeah i'd have, have a root teeth. canal i have some teeth stuff too <laughs> from being hit <laughs> from being fine yeah from being punched. what was yeah, your yeah. wait what did you get punched for i just went to catholic school for ninth grade where like, all boys school where it was just like yeah it's the same kind of thing as like name calling with people who you don't know yeah. that well and you think you know their friends so you're like all just goofing around next thing you know like you know, you're on the ground and someone, you know, someone's punching you in the back of your head and you're, you know, jogging away going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head out now, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But I agree. I, I know what you mean. Like, you make jokes about it because it's all you can do in you're, the moment. Well, you're terrified. And that's when I know I'm really terrified is if I start making jokes. Who is your, do you have a strange neighbor growing up? Or like some someone in the neighborhood or anyone like uh, that? I had a friend named Mark uh, who lived behind me who had, a, he had like, his room was like um, Tom Hanks's room in Big. Like he was yes. an only child and like, he, I feel like he had a pinball machine and he might've had a trampoline in his room. Oh, wow. And I was like, this kid, I'm, I, I, you're gonna be my new best friend because your room is insane. And yes. then he said, let's build a robot. <laughs> and I said, and I said, yeah, man, let's build a robot. This is great. And then we we built a robot out of like just nailing stuff to a board, and that was the robot. Yeah. I feel like the thing the the where innovation and technology has not caught up is that the robots still do not bring us soda on a tray. Never. <laughs> <laughs> 
They don't bring soda like they, tray, and they don't know where to go. They don't know the correct no. way to go either. That was in all those movies. It was a robot going, "Follow me, sir." And, and everything was like, sir, follow us. Remember the movie The Black Hole and they had those floaty robots and they would be like, we know exactly where to get back to the ship, sir. And, and robots never know where to go. Stepping away from my conversation with Bill Hader to send a shout out to Green Chef. As you know, I only... Uh, I only have advertisers who I like the thing. And I love Green Chef. I've been trying it lately. It's it's a, it's the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. The, the key word is organic in my house. It's it's a big it's a big thing. Uh they they make eating well easy and affordable. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box. So you can feel great about what you're eating and how to get it to your table. Go to greenchef.com slash 90berbigs and use code 90berbigs to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash 90berbigs, code 90berbigs to get $90 off, including free shipping. Give it a shot. And now, back to the show. This is a new bit that I'm working on for the show, and it's... uh, and it's, I went to my doctor a few years ago and um, he, he told me, yeah, he took my blood and he called me and he said, you have, uh, he said, you have type two diabetes. True story. Really? And I, yeah, yeah. And I, and I've since reversed it. I mean, I, I wouldn't reveal that at this point in the story, but, um, but I've since reversed it. Uh, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> be the, I'd be the worst storyteller ever. Like I immediately take the air out of the tension. So in the room. John F. Kennedy gets to Dallas where he's killed. And then he gets into the... <laughs> and he gets into the car. He gets into the car and, and says, this is going to be a great... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's waving and he's waving. <laughs> and then out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And then they shoot him. And then and then, a- and then after they shoot him, uh, he's dead. And then, uh, and then after that. No, they're going, yeah, what happened? Like, what happened? Yeah, and they yeah. go to the hospital. <laughs> um, so my doctor goes, you have, you have type 2 diabetes. And, I, and, and, I, and um, he goes, I'd like to put you on a statin, mm-hmm. you know, which I was mentioning earlier. And I go, I'd prefer not to uh, 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 take a statin because, you know, because I'm a doctor also. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I just want to try changing my diet. And he goes, it'd have to be pretty drastic. You'd have to cut sugar, fries. And then I start thinking about sugar fries, which <laughs> apparently doesn't exist, but it should. It's a dynamic combination of two delicious items with a very obvious theme song. Like sugar fries, sugar fries, sugar, sugar, sugar fries, sugar fries in my eyes. And my doctor says, are you listening to me? And I said, yes, but I'm also listening to a song I'm composing in my mind about vegetables because I feel like it was too early to spring the sugar fries concept on me. So that's- uh, I like that. So the, Yeah, it's fun, like sugar, sugar fries. fries. Sugar fries, sugar fries, sugar fries. It writes itself. My director Seth had this idea the other day because we were kicking that idea that bit around for the show of actually making sugar fries like a an musical, artisanal, like a musical. No, no, oh, no, no, actual bag. Oh, of that's sugar hilarious! Fries. 
yeah. and selling them, like getting an artisanal like uh, Brooklyn baker to make sugar fresh. No, because you know, Bill, yeah. those would be excellent. They would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then we should sell them in concessions at the show. <laughs> From a guy <laughs> who had type 2 diabetes presents. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you should yeah, call yeah, yeah, it yeah. type 2 diabetes. That's oh, the name gosh. of the... Yeah, and the, and then I got um another thing which is that uh about how I have an issue when because I travel you know like one one of my eating problems is that I travel and I do shows and then uh, afterwards I I'm hungry and and healthy food goes to bed early. <laughs> healthy food's like I'm gonna head in for the night. It's I got a big morning. It's responsible. Providing nutrients. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 unhealthy foods like I'm gonna hang. <laughs> I saw a microwave down by the street. It might pop in. <laughs> and then, so like, I always end up at the in the mini bar of my hotel in places like Tulsa. And and I I've never drank the liquor bottles, but I'm triple digits on glass jars of peanut M Ms. Yeah, that's that's bad which, news. Which is this <laughs> the most sexiest, most artisanal packaging for the least artisanal snack food item. And the thing about uh, peanut M and M's is, if you suck on them long enough, they're they're just they're just peanuts. And if you and if you suck on those peanuts long enough, you can taste pure shame. And at a certain point, the shame starts to morph into pride, and then you start thinking, "Oh, I should have been meaning to eat more nuts. You know, nuts are healthy." That's and then you protein. pop a couple hundred. Yeah, it's got protein. And then you pop a couple hundred, and then you end up with type two diabetes, which is an unfortunate outcome. <laughs> that's the sugar fries how do you do, do you say in the moment like well that didn't work or do you just are you trying to make a joke out of it or i when i like the shows i'm doing right now i call i call them working it out yeah or working it outside if it's outdoors and i'll call out the idea that actually in this podcast is the same thing it's like What's fun about this is that this will never happen in this exact way again. Yeah, yeah. And like that, there's something great about that. And sometimes people really dig that. Like you and I are both like nerds of comedy. Yeah. We like it when you're seeing, like you came actually to see one, one of my working it out shows, early version of Girlfriend's Boyfriend yeah. at Union Hall yeah. in the basement. Yeah, with Mulaney. Like, whatever. Yeah. yeah, you and Mulaney like 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I feel like for someone like you, like, you or you and I, like we both and John, like we all dig watching the early version. Yeah, you like to see what changed, and I did that with Book of Mormon. I saw that for three years before it came out because they were workshopping wow. it, and you saw how so much of the first half initially took place in Utah. Oh my god! And then they realized like all this Utah stuff, which was hilarious, just wasn't moving the story forward, and it taught me like, oh yeah, you got to be really tough with your material, you yeah. know, or I, one of the coolest things is I become friendly with George Saunders and talking to him about how he writes his short stories and him saying, oh, I'm just honing it and honing it down to the last word. There's actually a video of it where he will take you through a process of cutting things down to its most. And you go, oh, that's Essential, why your, yeah. that's why your stuff works so well for me because it is just you're reading the most essential version of something but he had to you know have the giant mound of clay that he had to like you know 
mold and throw out, you know? And I love, I'm fascinated by that stuff. Yeah, and so, like, I don't harp, to answer your question, like, I don't harp on the fact that a joke doesn't work. I'll just sort of, sometimes I'll do a throwaway and I'll go, like, and you're the only audience that will ever <laughs> see that joke. <laughs> I have two quick things that are specific to you. One of them is, I wrote, I have this because you're a cinephile, I'll do this because it's like, I, and I, this might end up being like a part of an essay, it might, whatever, but it's uh, sometimes, sometimes life is like a movie. Your friend dies and it's crushing, but then part of you thinks, well, I guess he wasn't the protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, and then I wrote a string of them. I wrote sometimes life is like, sometimes life is like a Pixar film. It's so good, and then you think, what age is this for? And then I, and then I wrote sometimes life is like a documentary. You think it's about a comedian, and then you realize it's about the uncle who molested the comedian. <laughs> and I've I've two more. Sometimes life is like an independent film, and you're like, I get that it's low budget, but why would there only be 14 people at a basketball game? And then oh the, if God. it ends up being an essay, the final uh, line I have, which is where uh, this sprang from, is life is like a movie that's too funny to be true and too sad to watch again. <laughs> It's true, yeah. This is a uh, this is a thing. I I have I for the I love the southern accent. Um, <laughs> every once in a while, I run into a southern accent where I it is unintelligible and I do not know what to do. I was at an airport um, in Georgia, and this lady shouted from thirty feet away. She goes to to the best of my memory. She goes. Dip, 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 a hat. <laughs> and I, and I said, what? And she goes, dip, 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 a hat. And and I and I thought, oh no. And I'm just trying to look for the context clues. Yeah. Because you can't ask what twice. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, okay, well, I'm wearing a hat. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm wearing a hat. Maybe this is about the hat. Yeah. And so I go, yeah, this is some kind of, I point my head, this is some kind of hat. And she disagreed. <laughs> she goes, nah. And I smiled and I waved and I thought, I guess we will never know each other. Dip, dip, the dip, dip the hat. Dip the hat. Have you ever had that with accents in the South where you're just like, I just don't know what you're saying. I'm so sorry. I don't I don't think so. I mean, Oklahoma, it's it's like right in the middle. So it it like we kind of would get a little bit of everything. Um I did have I remember I had like an uh I get migraines. And I have these things called uh, hemoplegic migraines, where it's like you kind of have like a stroke symptom. It's like it's you kind of like one side of your body just goes numb, and you're like, okay, I can't talk. And then um, that lasts for like an hour, and then you get the migraine. And I remember I was in Oklahoma, 
and we called, you know, EMTs the first time I ever got one. And they came in and the first woman came in and she said, all right, which side of your head's broke? Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, which can side I, of your head's broke? can I please talk to someone else? <laughs> she just went, all right, which side of your head's else? broke? And I was like, I can't, oh. I can't, uh, I, I can't talk to you. I'm very yeah. sorry. Oh uh, my this isn't going to work. You got to go talk to, I, I, I need someone else. So. Um, that That's so good. Um, we end on a segment called Working It Out for a Cause. And basically our guest chooses a nonprofit that, mm-hmm. that, we, that uh, you think is doing a particularly good job. And, and we link them in the show notes and, uh, and I contribute. I love... Uh, Julianne Moore has a nonprofit called Every Town for Gun Safety that I really, oh, that's a great I one. really love, and uh, I, uh, I just uh, feel like everybody should uh, donate to it, get on their email lists, and see uh, awesome. and their texting lists, uh, you know, whatever. And um, I know a lot of people find it funny that I play a hitman, and this is my favorite charity, yes. but. I also feel like if you watch Barry, uh, nothing ne- necessarily good comes out of uh, what he yeah. does. <laughs> yes. And also, uh, you know, I feel like um, Barry plays all over the country in our country, like the Onion headline, which is my yes. favorite thing. Like, nothing can be done about this, says only country where this regularly happens. Yes, yes. And uh, so... Uh, yeah, it's something I I think is a worthwhile thing. Again, it's not saying get rid of it. It's gun safety, and uh, and I think Julia Moore is doing a, and all the people over there are doing a great job. Awesome, awesome. Well, I will contribute to them, and uh, and I will encourage people to contribute as well. We're gonna link in the show notes. Uh, Bill, thanks for coming man, on. This is such a blast. Me, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love your podcast. So I feel like I just auditioned for it. <laughs> you got it. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out because there's no That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Uh, Bill Hader is unfollowable. He can't, you can't follow him on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. He's not on social media. So just check out the first two seasons of Barry on HBO if you haven't already. And I can't wait to see season three. And uh, thanks for listening. This has been quite a journey. We're about a year into this project and we are just we're pushing ahead if you're liking the podcast subscribe to it make sure you subscribe and uh and if you throw us some stars and some nice words of encouragement we really appreciate it we all read it at the show on the staff of the show the staff of the show is myself along with peter salamone as well as Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer, Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Associate producer, Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. They have great new music out right now. As always, a special thanks to my wife, the poet, J-Hope Stein. Our book, the new one, Painfully True Stories from a Reluctant Dad, is... Uh... It's a nice little Father's Day gift. Father's Day is 
right around the corner, as they say. And you could go to your local bookstore and you could support your local bookstore and you, you, can, you can support your local dad. I'd <laughs> say chances are your dad isn't local. But you can support your local dad or your regional dad or your international dad um, and uh, give your dad the gift of the new one. Uh, as always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who helped create my radio fort. Thanks most of all to you who have listened and are listening and have been listening for this whole year. Please tell your friends. Oh, don't forget to tell your enemies. We're working it out. See you next time.